Invest in your home. Dave Ramsey here for Low Country Contractors. Now's a great time to enhance your home with that new dream kitchen, bath, or addition. I trust Low Country Contractors. They've been voted Best Home Improvement and Remodeling Contractor by Mount Pleasant Magazine, voted Top Remodeler in South Carolina by Remodeling Magazine, and they have a 98% customer satisfaction rating from Guild Quality. Folks, this is a no-brainer. Visit LowCountryContractors.com. So this isn't anything that just is limited to the United States. It's a worldwide phenomenon. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast on KGRA Digital Broadcasting. This is the other show. I am here with you of course. Dan is joining me as always. How are we doing Dan? I'm great, thank you. How, do you, how are you today? Yeah, I'm alright. Did right. I just mess up my first line? How are yeah, you? You're, pr- you're pretty old? much dead, yeah. <laughs> I am good. I was doing an impression you. of Avril Haines saying extra trash <laughs> all that stuff. So. Yeah, that, that was some interesting stuff, that choking on our words. Listen, Dan, it's not just the two of us for this show. Uh, we're going to bring in a guest in just a moment, and many of you will no doubt know who he is when you see him. Um, I, I shouldn't hype it up too much, should I? It's just, it's just Vinny from Disclosure Team. Oh, have I ruined that? Ruined yeah. it. Ruined it. Uh, but listen, this show this week is going to be all about the lesser known or lesser studied aspects of the phenomenon. And we've reached out to you, the viewers, the listeners. We've reached out to Twitter and Reddit, and we've got a load of good suggestions to discuss and talk through. But before we do that, let's bring Vinny from Disclosure Team into the stream. Vinny, how are we? I'm good, thank you, gentlemen. Good to see you. Welcome, well, it's, welcome. It's intimidating having someone on with a green screen, isn't it? Like that's someone who's invested. <laughs> that's an this, this is a green screen. This is entirely fabricated. Yeah, Dan's actually in a nice room. He just makes it look like a like a trash, <laughs> like a, like a trash <laughs> hole. But yeah, good to have you with us, Vinny. At very uh, short notice as well. But uh, I just thought this would work really well with an extra voice in here. And um, a few of the people I got in touch with weren't available and you were. So that's that's good to, good to have you. <laughs> no, but thank you. And hello to everyone as well in the chat as well. Good to see you. Good to have you with us. Or if you're listening to this in the future and it's not Friday at 11pm UK, then hi. Hope you hope you enjoyed the show. Listen, Vinny, good to have you along with us. Like I said, we're going to be discussing known or lesser understood aspects of the phenomenon. And we're going to kick off with some of the Discord chat. Now, if you're on the Patreon or Apple Premium, you get access to the Discord chat. Very popular, very friendly. A lot of really great conversation in there. And we're going to start off with Nathan. Uh, Nathan's one of the co-hosts on the Calling All Beings podcast. Vinny, I believe you are you have an appearance this week on Calling All Beings, which people will be able to check out now, won't they? Yeah, I'm actually going to record it real soon. So, um, yeah, I'm speaking to DJ. So I'm really looking forward to that. I like I like that channel. I think they're doing great work. They are, they are. Uh, and Nathan's been a listener to the, this podcast for quite a while, and he's been on quite a few of the call-ins as well. And he kicks off with agendas. He thinks the actual agenda of the phenomenon, the entities, the beings, whatever they may be, is one of the lesser known or lesser understood aspects of this whole thing. Vinny, as the guest, we'll start with you. Have you ever thought about the agendas of what might be going on with the phenomenon? Yeah, I suppose I've probably considered most aspects of the phenomena at some point over the years. But um, you end up going into so much wild speculation, deep into any kind of rabbit hole that, that you kind of find yourself in. And the possibilities that I find there are so many of what the agenda could be, you know. So... 
yeah and i i don't like to speculate too much because i find that especially if i talk about my speculations people will quickly turn into the my beliefs and then that's just a recipe for disaster but, so let's not speculate then Vinny. why do you think another species or beings would be interested in us well i suppose one of the obvious reasons was that they had some part in why we're here as as a human race you know they maybe interfered with our genetics or something you know back in the generations ago and that's certainly a, a, a quite a popular one you know i see it crop up here and there all the time very um, recently course, that's yeah. that's become kind of back what's old is new again and that's not something that's just come to the the limelight recently but that's something again that was mentioned a couple of times by people um and it's it's, it's a theory that's gone back decades but is that something you subscribe to or again, something again, just more recently having heard that you think it's on the table? No, you're absolutely right. It's something I've heard quite a, quite a while ago, you know, many years ago. And yeah, I have seen it crop up a lot more recently, but I can't subscribe to anything that doesn't have any conclusive evidence, data, proof, you know, something that keeps it high up on my list. You know, it, it just has to remain in that realm of maybe. Yeah. You know? Speaking of maybes, Dan. <laughs> Hi, my so uh, my, my microphone was maybe muted. It was in a super position and it ended up in the right one. It is both muted and unmuted at the same time. <laughs> Dan, agendas. What about yourself? What are your thoughts on what any potential agenda could be from from alien species? It's it's a really interesting question because we always have to think of these things in terms of you know relative to us in anthropomorphic ways. We say <clears throat> and it always gets kind of compared to, uh, you know, the conquistadors uh, in Mexico and kind of wiping out a whole civilization. And that's, that's very human thinking, you know, um, some of the ideas we've heard thrown around as to why they could be here. They're not necessarily here for us. Um, we could just be part of the fauna that they consider part of this planet, you know, like a, a whale or a dog or how we consider an ant. Um, but it could simply be a, a fuel stop. You know, we, we've heard Lou talk about how it's easier to get hydrogen from water than it is to kind of scoop it up from nebula clouds and, and refine it from there. So it could be, you know, anything from DNA manipulation, um, which goes back to our, our explosion about 70,000 years ago in complexity of language and agriculture and things like that. But then even that keeps going further and further back the more we kind of dig into things things are just getting older um so yeah it could be anything from that to a fuel stop to just a curiosity and you know looking at developing life around the universe kind of like what we're doing on mars right we have the rover kind of prodding around if there was any life there they would look at it curiously and probably think oh it's here for us no not really i mean you know we'd love it if we found that form of life with the rover but it's geared towards a very specific mission Absolutely. I like it. Cool. Nathan, thank you very much. Um, Dave Smethurst, long-time listener and contributor, he put um, activity on the moon and reluctance to go back. Now, obviously, Bill Nelson has just literally discussed that we are looking to go back to the moon uh, as a bit of a way stop on our way to Mars and just to prepare for that. However, it has been a long time, and you would have thought, I'm sure, back in the 60s and 70s when, when these things were much more prevalent, that by now we'd have been going back and forward to the moon like in Futurama when it's literally a couple of seconds trip. 
Vinny, I'll bring you in on that one first. So what are your thoughts on, and again, this goes into conspiracy theory territory probably a little bit, but I like a bit of this. So potential activity <laughs> on the moon. Now, oh, and I, I've got to mention, we actually had a listener get in touch uh, and correct me during the week for apparently not being clear enough that I, I said the moon is definitely hollow. And it was a bit too conspiracy-ish, apparently. I said it could be. There obviously is the idea that it rang like a bell uh, when the uh, Apollo missions landed and they measured it. <clears throat> However, I was told that you would also ring an anvil. If you hit an anvil with a hammer, it would also ring. And an anvil is solid. So that's a fair point. But I, I did ask the question that you surely you still can't confirm 100% that the moon is definitely completely solid inside. But thanks for getting in touch anyway. Uh, I don't propagate the theory 100% that the moon's hollow, but it's still an interesting conversation, Vinny. What do you think is going on? It certainly is really interesting. I mean, over the years, we've seen so many documentaries talking about moon bases, the dark side of the moon, um, the moon even possibly being a spaceship in itself you know that's been a, a big theory over the years that i've come across here and there and yeah they're all they sound fa like fantastic scripts for really good sci-fi movies or something but beyond that for me I, I can't take it any further i do like the idea i suppose some are more plausible than others maybe the moon was used as a way stop over generations again and thousands of years and you know, if it stays in with the one side facing here, then it makes maybe makes sense that the stuff on the dark side that we can't see where things could be happening now, things could have stopped happening many years ago. Um, and then, yeah, obviously we see photographs from the moon and we've seen them again for decades where people say, look, there's a, a building, that's a structure. I struggle with it personally. But again, I like the idea because it could be, but it's not like it's, a, oh, look, there's a house in the windows and you can see doorways and stuff like that. It's just like, well, it does look kind of like got some symmetry to it or something. But again, it could be natural. So, yeah, it's, it, it is fun. I, I don't have these discussions often, so it's, you know it's kind of cool. When you think, though, we always think about a smoking gun for the existence of other life being like a, a clear picture or video of a UFO. But if on some NASA mission or one of the Chinese lunar missions or Russian, they managed to capture a picture of what was a clear building or structure on the moon, that's that's it. You, you don't even need that UFO or video anymore because that's proof of something has or does exist. And that would be an incredible conversation just to have. I mean, that could still go on for decades with nothing else because what if you go in and there's nothing there anymore? And then obviously I think in 2021, we would still have people surmising that, well, it's probably ours. Yet yeah, we've been on the moon for a while and, and everything else. But Dan, I'll bring you in on a, on, on the moon theories. What What's your take? What what you guys were just talking about is kind of exactly what Avi Loeb is getting at with Umumua and all these, uh, you know, extra sort of objects that are coming in to visit us. We wouldn't necessarily recognize a building of another species if we saw it. And if the species was long gone, then we know that these buildings break down over time. You, you know, what what is a building could be a stub. But Vinny's totally right. Like, the, there's a danger of doing a little bit of God in the gaps here and kind of going, oh, just because we can't see it, that's where the solution is. And that's not necessarily true. But it is true that, you know, you can see the pictures of the, the uh, what's called a monolith on the moon. Um, and it's just, you know, a tall spike out the landscape. Until we see more of that, we can't say that that's an extraterrestrial building. It, it's a peculiar feature that needs more studying. And 
it reminds me of the the debate that we've had with UFOs and UAP as a whole. You know, it's gone from really fanciful stuff to kind of saying, you know what, there's there's truth in this, but we need to kind of unmoney the waters here so we can actually do some work and progress and figure this out. You know, it might be that that's a building on the moon, but don't start with assuming it's a building on the moon. That's that's <laughs> a bad way to go about it. Vinny, why do you think we haven't gone back to the moon? Do you th- think there's something sinister there? We all hear the, the rumors that, you know, when, when they landed on the moon, there were ships and the craters watching, and at various different points, there may have been other craft within the areas. Do you think there's any any truth to that? Or do you think it's a case of it was too expensive, too difficult, and we just stopped trying? Yeah, the latter. I think it was nothing sinister. I think it was they'd done what they needed to do. They'd had enough samples from the moon to to look at. It wasn't there wasn't any initial plans to use it as a way stop to go onto Mars, you know, through the 70s and 80s, as far as I know. So I think it was just a case of, yeah, the focus was switching to the the, the space shuttle program kind of after Apollo and things like that. And yeah, maybe funding got in the way that years passed and it just never really happened again, you know. I didn't. I didn't ever read about any particular urge to go back to the moon. I think um, George W. Bush mentioned something uh, when he first got into office in the early two thousands about a plan to go to the moon. But we hear these things come up, and then a year or two later, we hear, "Oh, we're, we're putting that on the back burner again." And there you go. That's kind of how I see it, to be honest. I think uh, Elon Musk and, and co have probably helped speed things up a little bit because they're commercialising space tourism so quickly. You can't imagine it's too long before someone like Musk says, I fancy going to the moon and I'm just going to build a craft that can do it and I'll go myself. Yeah. When when you look at the... I've read somewhere, I can't remember the exact time, but basically it took us ages, ages and ages and ages. We're talking years to build the International Space Station. Um, you, you know, it was cutting edge science. The capacity of the ships wasn't very big. It took, you know, part of it is Russian, part of it is from the US. You, you know, it, it's a kind of a hodgepodge of things. And now, the if SpaceX was told, okay, we've got all the parts of the space station, but we need you to take it up, they could do it in a week. A week? Like, it just shows how much of a revolution what SpaceX is doing is for the space industry and it makes me think of um with cern uh, where they have the particle collider cern actually gets a budget um a percentage of the the whole budget every single year so it's consistent so they can do things like you know underspend one year and then put that money towards the particle collider for example so you see these huge projects like the particle colliders actually taking shape and you know they'll keep kind of they they probably have 500 projects they want to do, but it's a case of saving up that budget that they know, they know they are consistently getting. With NASA, it's different. That budget changes every year, and it's kind of at the whims of whoever's in the White House, really. And it's a shame because I think SpaceX shows what NASA could have been if there was more consistent funding. Dan, I'll stay with you for the next one. So this is from Rickson, and Rickson mentions that he feels the the least less studied aspect of the phenomenon is that there could be multiple beings or multiple entities all at work. And it's something we've discussed previously, Dan, the whole idea of phenomenon versus phenomenon. Where do you stand on do other entities know each other exist and how that might work? I think the way we have to look at this question is that when, when we look outward, we don't really see other forms of life in the way that we expect to, like mainstream science thinks, I'll say. So if life is out there, it's in a form that we don't understand. 
And at every step that's in front of us as we progress, you know, when we get to a place where we completely understand UAP and the occupants, kind of put aside that it's multiple different ones for the moment. When we get to that point, there's going to be another frontier with something else that we don't understand and probably another form of life that we have to come to understand. So I don't think they're necessarily all aware of each other. You know, they they could, in the way that we see light, if something didn't see uh, the physical world like we do, they totally miss us, for example. So while there is kind of probably, you know, overlap and, and interconnectivity, I wouldn't say that they all know each other. Um, but I'd be surprised if it wasn't like, if it wasn't as diverse as planet Earth with its wildlife. You know, the the bees, my, my dog runs around with a small giraffe teddy, and I often chuckle to myself because I think you would lose your mind if you actually saw a giraffe. You have no idea this thing is real. Um, yeah. She would, she would lose her mind. Like, it's only small, the one that she has. Um, so yeah, I think it would be something like that. Cool. Take a shot because Dan just knocked his mic if you're playing that game. Uh, Vinny, what about yourself? Thoughts on the idea of multiple phenomena and being aware that they each exist? Well, I, again, it's a, it's a kind of another area of conspiracy because we've heard from many different researchers over the years that some believe there are four to ten different species, some benevolent, some malevolent. I always butcher that word, malevolent. But then we hear some reachers say that, oh, well, so far we've categorized 250-something species of extraterrestrials. And it's like, wow, okay, uh, okay, yeah. you know, really hard to believe. And so where where do you draw the line with things like that? The, the, there's a case in point is the, the Russian book of alien races that was a big story a while back where this apparent son was clearing out his dad or his uncle's house and they found this book and he'd worked for the kgb and it was about all these different races you know great story but i don't know it's not very believable but you know some people they hear something like that or they see it on a documentary well it must be fact if it's on a documentary so yeah possibilities could be true could be complete nonsense dan when that that book is one of those things that come up when I think of how we pass stories and myths to each other and you know how one person's kind of we see all the time there's that great uh ball lightning video of the ball lightning going across the train tracks and if you look that up it has been the person who made it it is CGI and the guy who made it came out straight away and said it's CGI it was a project that he was doing and you know that's on Snopes he's open about that but still you see this video get bandied about as real proof of ball lightning and I, I think that's a great example of how things go. You know, they, there's not necessarily any malicious intent in there, but it's kind of game of telephone. Is it like in 5,000 years, someone's going to dig up a copy of Harry Potter and be reading it and go, wow, do you see what went on back then? Like, this is incredible. And oh, yeah, absolutely. Becomes, becomes and then someone it. else will find a copy of Endgame and wonder, you know, why, why did these guys never fight? They seem pretty big deals on this planet. <laughs> Surely Thanos should have won. But yeah, good shout, good shout. Uh, thanks for that one. That was a good question as well. Um, next up, uh, moving on slightly, slightly different topic. Vale said that one of the lesser known areas are discussed as post-event paranormal occurrences. So this is something, I suppose, getting into territories we started talking about with Calm Kelleher and George Knapp and their book Skinwalkers at the Pentagon. Uh, Dan, sticking with you first for this one post-event paranormal occurrences now as someone who i mean you've said before you've yeah yeah as a little bit i'm going to stop saying it um (laughs) or or i could shorten it to pepo 
Um, so you, you've you've obviously mentioned before how you've you've seen various things or had experiences you've touched on in the past as well. Do you feel that's something that stuck with you and hung about afterwards, or is it something you subscribe to, giving how many stories of that you heard through other people? I mean, my experiences certainly lend credence to once a weird thing happened, weirder things happened faster and consistently. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of strange ones that I shared on on the podcast. I'll kind of repeat a few here. Uh, for example, kind of hearing a, it was like a buzzing kind of sound um, just kind of coming from a point in the air. And I followed to it and my dog was aware of it as well. And we just couldn't figure out where it was coming from. It was like it was just coming from the curtains and curtains don't make sounds like that. Um, and, and it was very odd. And I'm the kind of person, you know, if I see a light flash in my room, I'm not going to straight away take a picture and go, it's a UFO. I'm going to try and figure out if it's reflecting off, a, you know, an ornament in the garden or something like that first. Um, it's always fun to do that. Um, but after speaking with column i had a few really strange occurrences um and it kind of amped up for me so there's definitely experience that kind of backs that hitchhiker idea but i've never had anything you know scary poltergeisty um never anything where i felt in danger or anything like that just curious you know um and just weird things do you, do you think dan that you have to be you have to be open and even subconsciously want those experiences to happen i've i've said before i'm not a fan of the whole ghost thing not that i don't believe just i don't want to see one i have no interest in any of paranormal activity happening in and around me so i i will say i am fortunate i've never had that happen and i wouldn't want to but do you think you're just maybe more open to it which is why it does happen the curious thing to me is the work that Gary Nolan's doing in trying to identify a marker or some kind of difference in people who have these things happen to them. Um, and he identified a region called the Kurdate Putaman, um, where basically there would be more white brain matter connecting the regions of the brain between the, these two, two pieces. Um, and that was found in experiences. So it seems as though an experience is, changes our physiology in a way that makes us more open to experiencing more of the weirdness and that to me just sounds like a really scientific way of saying the veil was lifted and it will continue to lift you know yeah. <laughs> um and people always say when, once you you know experience a synchronicity you'll experience more and more faster and faster and it's it's exactly the same with the phenomena um the the term that i like for it is that it's sticky once you have it it stays with you Vinny, what are your thoughts then on those sticky portfolios and paranormal events occurring after experiences? Yeah, I mean, Dan said quite a few things that I was thinking of. But I suppose one thing that sits with me is that possibly someone sees something, right? Maybe something a bit strange happens a few weeks or months later. They will probably go back to that first thing and, and think, yeah, it's connected. Whereas it might be completely random, but because they had that first experience, they're instantly, ah, it, it's probably connected to that. So there's a bit of like that kind of aspect of it, possibly. But then it's kind of, it's a difficult area because when you go into that fringe paranormal ghost type stuff, it, I mean, all I've really looked at is the stuff from Skinwalker. And so Dan pretty much covered that, but it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't really know. 
that's that's like myself with this. I, I understand when you look at somewhere like Skinwalker, it's all the phenomena you could talk about happening at the same time. Huge dire wolves, strange beings crawling out of portals, UFOs, cattle mutilations, um, you know, ghostly apparitions, shadow beings, everything seems to happen in that one place. And it makes sense that if this phenomenon is connected in any way, shape or form, why wouldn't there be locations on the planet where it's a little bit more focused and concentrated than then it would be somewhere like a skinwalker ranch. Um, people didn't build the ra- ranch and uh, that land because it was haunted or having UFO events. It just happened to be that's what happened around that area. So that, that's a really interesting one for me. I, I can see it, but again, I'm more than happy to, to not have any of those follow-up experiences. For me, I'm happy sticking to seeing the, the, the odd UFO here and there, which I'm always up for. Um, so yeah, really good shout that one. Thank you. Next up, uh, Tara. Tara is a long-term listener to the podcast as well. So hi, Tara, if you're out one of your bike rides listening to this. Um, how can... Uh, sorry, Tara wanted to know, uh, Dan, you had mentioned that these objects or beings or entities can potentially make people feel a certain way. And Tara found that quite scary as it could almost be a predatory tactic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a way to disarm a prey or something like that. Let me, I'm just going to real quick, just try and find something because if Tara's interested in that, I was touching on something from a paper um, that was by uh, Valet and I want to see Davis, but I might be wrong. Um, I'm not able to find it. Oh well. If you want uh, to look at it, I can I can jump to jump to Vinny on this one. Yeah, go for it. I'll just have a quick look for it. It's definitely here somewhere. Cool. Yeah, Vinny. So same same question. I think it comes down to intent, doesn't it? What is the intent of the the phenomena? Is it to do something genuinely negative to you? Is it to just maybe even play around with you a little bit and just you know just poke away at a little bit? You know, it's really difficult to ascertain the, the true meaning of what they're trying to do because some people might experience the same thing as the next person but they might come away from that same experience feeling differently about it about it based on them their personalities and their individual being so it's it's another one that i think isn't just a straightforward it's this or that i think it's more of an individual experience and and an after effect yeah and i think it's something for me that would subscribe to the idea that there are multiple phenomena at play because sometimes people will describe feelings of terror, panic, fear. And that's where anyone who subscribes to the, the love and light side of things, I always go back to many of those types of abductions that people didn't want to happen. And they describe really harrowing events happening sometimes through generations. And that's that's not love and light. That's something that's unwanted. So you've got a set of beings who would potentially appear to not really care or be nonplussed as to our thoughts and feelings and well-being. And I've said it many times, but much like how we would go fishing, you don't particularly care for the fish's well-being. You know, you pull it out, you you see the fish, you take a picture with it, throw it about, and hopefully someone puts the fish back in the water. That's that's what happens. But then you have beings that apparently take people on board various different types of craft. They fly them across galaxies and universes. They show them all sorts of incredible things and places. But I think I'm like you, Vinny, on this one where... I appreciate someone telling me that story, but there is no evidence for that. You can't show me, and it's like the you know the, the beings are from the Palladians. Okay, well, we don't know that yet. Let's point the James Webb in that direction 
and let's see what's out there. That's that's what we can hopefully start to do with, with the James Webb going up. Um, you got it exactly. But, that's exactly what we're going to be using it for. I, I really like that. That was concise. Like, oh, you said it from there. Cool. Let's have a look. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's point it at that keyhole. Is it there? Nah, can't see anything. Or actually, yep, there seems to be a planet full of light. So yep, we'll give you that one. But that's that's potential. Dan, any luck on that paper? Yeah. So the paper is called Incommensurability, Orthodoxy and the Physics of High Strangeness, a six-layer mm. model for anomalous phenomena. And it's by Jack yeah. Ballet and Eric Davis. It was talked about oh, yeah. in the front of the Skinwalker book. And there was a section in here that was talking about um, mimicry and how you could essentially survive in the world. And I'm just going to read one paragraph from it because uh, it's kind of what I was summarizing when I spoke about it last time. And if someone's interested, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll just say this paragraph. Um, so they write, it is possible to have a sign that physically resembles the signified in a non-visual way. For example, the fly Spilomaya hamifera beats its wings at a frequency very close to the wing beat frequency of a dangerous wasp. I'm not even going to try and say the species name. As a result, when one of these flies is in the vicinity of a group of these wasps, the fly gains some immunity from attack by birds. The fly's mimicry of the wasps occurs only in the auditory modality, and it's not attacked by would-be predators because it sounds like the wasps. So essentially, it's hiding in plain sight and using another species' ability to do that. That's kind of a cool ability. And I wonder, is there a way that species can do that to us with light or something like that? You know, just appear to us as something that we expect and, and hide in plain sight. Yeah, good shout. That's why some of these UFOs appear in the sky, flashing bright lights everywhere, because, well, look down there, it's flashing bright lights everywhere in these buildings. So let's do that up here. Maybe not understanding that, uh, yeah, we don't do that up there like that. So, yeah. And there's there's a very famous example of us using light and sound to communicate with UFOs. And I say we, Spielberg, um, he, he, you know, that great last sequence of Close Encounters of the Third Kind where the scientists and I'm going to just switch it a little bit here because there are scientists, there are artists, you know, there are mu musicians, military guys, and they're all being creative in their own ways. And I think we could say that they're all intuitive people and they're all drawn to this essentially dance with an alien craft where they kind of figure each other out and repeat tones to each other. And eventually then, you know, it finds its feet and the communication happens and yeah, light and sound. And, and we're talking about resonance again, and it sounds super hippie, but it's not. The whole universe is resonance. I remember another movie that used very similar tactics called Independence Day, and we used light and sound to try and communicate, and it got shot out of the sky. So, yeah, just, just <laughs> To, to be fair, they, they use light and sound to blow up the White House as well. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's, situational that's, that's, thing. <laughs> that's just true. So, that, again, it was just mimicry. Oh, yeah, look, boom. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, some really, really good stuff on that one, folks. Listen, we'll move on to some of the comments from Twitter now. Uh, UFO Canada, I, I really like this one. This goes into the pure speculation territory of any you'll like it uh ufo canada said i want people to start focusing on what exopolitics would look like on earth examples of advanced humans meeting lesser advanced versions of the same species were disastrous how does all of humanity avoid the fate of the aztecs Vinny? we can't i don't think you know if we're being visited by uh, an advanced civilization whether it be extraterrestrial or interdimensional they're clearly more advanced than us already so what how do, you know, how do we go about having a choice if they want to come down here and 
take over, then I'm sure that they could, you know. But this goes into something I think about all the time is I hear people say, well, they're definitely like friendly, these things, because they would have wiped us out by now. And that's obviously a very human way of looking at things, because what if their plan finished in 2022? What if it finished in 5022? How do we know? We don't. So the fact that people say things like that is very human way of thinking and that yeah it can cause arguments when you try and bring that up with people because i don't want to you know rain on their parade when they think that all these beings are really friendly and that because it's a nice thing to think but at the same time maybe a little naive and i i don't i don't want to draw any negative attention from people so i'm maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit but no no that's that's totally fair and maybe the word isn't friendly it's they're tolerant of, of us and again that example of if another species are watching us uh, dan you used the example about the gorilla in the cage that finds the key and you know we're not wiping out the gorilla but if that gorilla in the cage finds the key and starts to play about with the lock then maybe you think about tasing it and putting it play or putting it back in its place but if that gorilla starts building nuclear weapons then we go ahead and wipe all the gorillas out because we don't want them getting that. We we do it with our own species where we don't allow other countries. I say we, I mean the, the superpowers predominantly, you know, the ones I'm talking about. They don't allow other countries to have the same weapons they do. Iceland, right? That, that Absolutely, Iceland, superpower. yeah. That huge nuclear superpower of Iceland. But yeah, so you, you have other countries who don't allow other countries to have the same weaponry. And if they did have, they go to war, they, they fight back. And like I say, I, I'm sure if dolphins, which Jazz Shaw, I'm sure will appreciate, developed nuclear weapons uh, or even started to look like they were developing any kind of weaponry, we would wipe them out as a species, as the more dominant species. So you have to entertain the, the idea that another species being tolerant is watching us playing with the matches. We've got nuclear capabilities. Maybe we're still on the cusp of will they use it properly? Will they not? Um, you look at something as wonderful as the internet and some of the weird things that it's used for. But, you know, here we are recording a podcast and it's great. We can do this from different locations and people are going to hear this all around the world. Nuclear weapons and nuclear energy, sorry, has so many incredible uses and purposes, but we stick it in the end of a, a warhead and drop it on Hiroshima, drop it on Nagasaki. And, and I've just watched uh, for the first time ever The Abyss. Uh, which um, Dan had been telling me for a long time I should be should be checking out. I did not see it going the way it went. But the idea that, you know, they had been dropping weapons and testing them out at sea, and sorry for the spoiler, but the movie was made in 1989. These beings live under the ocean. So for them, we are testing these warheads and weapons in their environment. So there comes a point where another species says, enough's enough. Yeah, Dan? Yeah, 100%. And and we're going to be moving forward into space as well. And what what do you think we're going to put on the ships to protect ourselves as we go out into space? It's going to be nuclear weapons. So not only are we going to have them on Earth, we're going to start strewing them about the the. I was going to say universe, but we're not quite there yet. The you know the solar system, I'll say for now. Um, and the drives that we might build might be nuclear based as well. So if there's something inherently wrong with the technology that for some reason we don't see, then, you know, everything's going to be based on it. So we need to know now and find a separate path to, to start trudging down because we're at the point where there's just a lot of people on Earth and we need a lot of energy. We've already seen, you know, in Texas, like the, the energy going down and that was for multiple reasons. But if that's happening in America, 
what do you think are happening in the places that we don't hear about daily that we don't hear you know that don't have news representation in the world um it it gets a little scary to think about Dan, just to take it back on the same question that UFO Canada was asking as well about meeting other potential species that are more advanced, is there a huge element of luck as how we approach any potential communication, first contact or or conversation like that? It really depends on your outlook in life, I think. Glass half full, glass half empty type thing. Um, you know, we can subscribe to the Independence Day aliens or we can think they're more probably like E.T. or... You know, we, we can put a lot of identities onto them. Um, one that's been spoken about recently is the third body problem and the species we encounter in that. And they're not necessarily immediately nefarious, even though from our perspective they are. It's more that the situation in the universe and how life interact. I'm trying not to spoil anything here, but how, how life interacts with each other when it finds other forms of life. Um, the, the author argues that it's in a species' best interest to, you know, take anyone else out first or to... They, they have some inventive ideas on how to try and, you know, protect yourself peacefully uh, that I won't spoil. But, yeah, the, the theory is called Dark Forest Theory, so have a look at that. Or have a look on my Twitter. There was a video I posted that was a bit of a summary. Um, and, yeah, it presents some interesting quandaries. Awesome. Uh, Vinny, we're going to move on to the next one, and this one is from Noel. Uh, Noel on Twitter said, It's a pure guess, of course, but I'm sure they must have some idea of the technology as they have uh, they have seen and been able to study it to a degree. So I think, and this gets confusing because they use they and they to mean the government and also they. So <laughs> it, Noel thinks, I'm going to translate this, that the government have no idea who the beings are or where the beings come from. And if the beings are not hostile, what are they doing? So what do you think to that? Is that, do you think, why the government and the military treat it so much as a potential threat? Yeah, I think the threat aspect comes in because it's a genuine unknown. So it's kind of fear the worst, hope for the best kind of you know thing. It's You, you can't just think, well, yeah, they're probably not going to hurt us, you know. It, it is just you, you, you don't know so just prepare for the worst like i say uh, and and hope that it doesn't get to that point but again you know having a craft or being aware of the technology is only the beginning of trying to understand anything else about them you know you you can't speak to them you can't find out any reasons why they're here or or anything you just have the physical object yes you might be able to study it scientifically even potentially attempt to back engineer it but that still doesn't give you the answers as to the bigger picture uh, and what what could possibly happen further down the line and the idea as well dan you mentioned et the movie before in that movie elliot gets sick because of his close contact with et and that's that's a threat so et the cute little alien was a threat to human beings that's why the military went in the way they did because they don't fully understand it you take all precautions and you know what, worst case scenario, you have to get rid of E.T. before he gets rid of all life on Earth, which I suppose they should make E.T. actually from the military point of view. That would be a good remake, wouldn't it? Um, just to see it from the other point of view when it's a bad alien. But I, I think it was originally meant to be. Uh, you know, there was a an idea that after Close Encounters, you would basically have uh, a film where a farmer was under siege um, I can't remember the title of what he was going to call it, but yeah, it changed and they focused on the friendly alien 
and that that's what we all took from it um but it'd be very different if it was signs but with et mixed in right um <laughs> it, it would i uh, but then from what we're talking about here that would probably be a bit more realistic because different members of the same species as we well know being humans uh can have very different outlooks and reactions to the worlds and to other species um you know there are some of us that you know we're fine seeing people get hurt in movies but the second the animal gets hurt we're a puddle we're just in a you know a puddle of tears um i i'd be really interested to see how how our definition of life changes when we have to incorporate their definition of life as well because you know we we can't go to war arguing over how we classify life but it's certainly going to open our eyes and make us go huh that that's super interesting we didn't think of you know we've argued for years if a virus is life but you're saying if we get a powerful enough microscope it, it shows intelligence um it would change everything for us you, you know there'd be people out there that didn't want to bleach their houses anymore because they were killing things <laughs> Dan, you mentioned uh, Signs, which I really like the movie Signs. For all it's got its flaws, one of my favourite moments in movie history, as pertains to aliens or any type of phenomenon, is where they show the news footage from the first sighting in Brazil, and the alien walks past the camera, and all I can imagine now is, imagine that, but with E.T., who just kind of walks past in, in waves, and you feel it's not quite got the same gravitas as it is the <laughs> kind of scary entity that does scroll by the camera. No, not at all. No, no one at that birthday party would have screamed if that happened. They would have just been like, huh, this is just this yeah. cute little thing waving at the end. Shoots a laser gun at them. Uh, next up uh, was from Basir. And uh, Basir says, it's the consciousness aspect of it. We still don't fully understand how consciousness originates, so we can't know how the phenomenon relates to it. This is probably one of the buzzwords of the decade as relates to the phenomenon. And I am sure there are people out there screaming that it's overused or used incorrectly, as I probably do it. Dan, here's a big question for you. What does consciousness mean to you? That's a really good question. Um, I think of it as, as the way that I think of me as me, that thing I'm referring to when I say me, that is the conscious part of me. It gets to interact with the world. It gets to take ideas and change them and put them back out into the world. Um, yeah, there's there's an awareness and a kind of consciousness allows us to do things to the world outside of us um, in, in a way that other species can't. And I don't think it's that other species don't have consciousness. I think that it's a sliding scale, similar to intelligence. You know, there are more intelligent people, less intelligent people. I think we're going to end up finding it's the same kind of thing, uh, though, though that is complete speculation. Um, one of my interests is the work they're doing with psilocybin and therapy at the moment because they're having to essentially talk about the effects that the psilocybin is having on the participants. So where, you know, for the past 50 years, we've all we've had is long-haired hippies in fields taking mushrooms saying, oh, dude, it looks like the world's smudging or, you know, whatever they describe it as. Now we actually have to come up with scientific language to describe these effects. So, you know, in five years we might see in a supermarket a packet of psilocybin that says this will make a half hour feel like one hour to you <laughs> and just help us once we have that language the conversations we can have with it become really something else like like the listener said we we don't really understand what it is but we're grappling now for the language to be able to have that conversation 
Dan, I'm just going to ask you to follow up on that. Do you think the movie Pixar uh, by Pixar Soul is a soft disclosure for the younger generation? Uh, and no, you know what? I, I, I asked that jo- I asked it jokingly, but the idea being that, you know, you stick that out there, big budget, Hollywood studios always linked to disclosure, and you start getting really young kids to think about the concept of an afterlife and what a soul is and it's the essence of someone it gets them ready for, you know, five, 10, 15 years down the line when these are the generations starting to have that conversation that we are kind of at the beginning of now, it helps them understand that hell of a lot better, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And and it gives them the knowledge as well. One of the things I loved about that film was that everyone wasn't defined by one thing. You know, everyone had like six or seven things that they loved. And the main character in the film, again, sorry, spoilers, but his his whole thing, or sorry, was it her? I can't remember um him him i'm gonna go with him for the sake of argument that character their whole thing was that they loved the experience of living uh which is interesting because that it's a very buddhist kind of philosophy to to be putting into that film but you're right now there are children out there that kind of go oh yeah you know i i like the way the light plays on leaves and they'll sit in the field and you know as kids do um and they're kind of directly inspired by that film there was another one um inside out that yeah I like dealt that with that. just you know the emotions inside somebody's yeah. head and i read a story that the, the director when they had a, a screening of the film the day after that one of the pixar guys came to him and said oh my my kid swam for the first time this morning because of inside out and he was like what 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 do you mean like there's no swimming in inside out and he said well he just said to me he was on the side of the pool and he said to me dad fear has got the console at the moment but i'm gonna bring joy in and then he just jumped into the pool. And I was like, that's so cool. It gave that kid a scaffold and a language to be able to deal with, you know, a, a mental, well, mindfulness, essentially. Um, and many of us are only just discovering that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's very cool that the next generation have got some really, some really cool shorthand ways of discussing some lofty concepts. Vinny, what about same to yourself? You know, what? how do you think of consciousness? I mean, I come from such a nuts and bolts background. I I try and think about it, and I certainly listen to a lot of discussions about it. There's some great people, some great friends that I've had discussions with about it, but I still can't seem to find a way in for myself to, to latch on to something and go, that's where I'm going to start. That's the direction I'm going to go, because I just feel lost with it. You know, I do spend time on my own, and I sit there, and I think, right, try and think about it, Vinny. Come on, you know, really get in touch with yourself and that but I can't I, I just can't kind of grasp it or I get a child screaming from the next room and it just breaks for concentration so you know I have a lot of questions about consciousness myself and if I start to try and answer one now I think I'd be doing the whole subject a disservice by trying to sound like I know anything about it when I don't you know well, listen, I bet a lot of people are the same, though, where they think, I would love to explore the idea of consciousness. Yeah. And how do I go about doing that? So obviously my recommendation for the layman would be Pixar's Soul or, or Inside Out. But Dan, you would probably be able to recommend either a book or a site or someone's Twitter feed that would give some good suggestions of a an, an idiot's guide to consciousness. Um. So there's a documentary called fantastic fungi and it talks about how trees and fungi talks to each other um that would be the the place that i'd recommend someone start because it just gives you an idea about how things think 
that's very different from us. Um, and Vin Vinny's totally right. Like no one can answer this question. I, I, I sound so confident kind of answering this, but it's just because it's a hobby. I don't know is the answer. Um, but I sure like digging to, to figure this out. I said recently, Vinny, that do you know what makes me really confident in, if you want to call it consciousness or a soul or, you know, a oneness or whatever, that there's a force, like a, a Star Wars-esque force, is, and I told Dan this, how my dog knows about a minute before my wife's car gets anywhere near our <laughs> estate, he will jump up on the window and sit looking, and then sure enough, within 30 seconds, the car will come round, go on the drive, and that car would have been far away. Wow. But the, do the dog knows, he just happens to know. And for me, that just shows you that the dog shouldn't know that that's my wife coming out of that car. And a street filled with cars, when the car wasn't even near, that the dog just gets aware that you're, you're close by. So there's that kind of connectivity for me. And that, that makes me go, because I'm quite nuts and bolts as well. But that's where I can point to something and go, yeah, do you know what? But I, I can see why. I can see that. Yeah, that I'm makes sense. A second recommendation here, just because what you're talking about has a name uh, by someone uh, called Rupert Sheldrake, and he refers to it as morphic resonance. Um, and it's kind of like if you know the Akashic records, that there's a place where information is held and that we can collectively access that. Um, same kind of deal. Um, but he's actually done scientific experiments with it where they would vary the time that the dog came home. Oh, sorry, the, the time that the, the wife came home uh, from work. <laughs> And uh, and the dog would still react, uh, even though that those times were changing. So they they tried to introduce you know blind double blind kind of standards to these tests. Uh, they did it with telephone ringing and thing like things like that as well. And Gemini found that there was a, a higher than you know fifty or coin flip chance that that these things were happening. So there seems to, to be something there. His son also used morphic resonance in his exams at Oxford. He uh, basically would wait 20 minutes after everyone else had started the exams with the idea that the question would be easier for him to answer once everyone else had answered it before him. <laughs> he passed. No proof whether it worked, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he passed. What a way to test that out. And listen, one more question. We have a whole load more we could go through. We'll keep those for another time, Vinny, um, for getting you on as well. But this one was from Osiris PTA one uh, question. So we'll start with Vinny. Why do you think there has been a sudden about face after nearly a century of debunking, obfuscating and stigmatizing the UFO UAP phenomenon? Why do you think all of a sudden now we've got the, the forum that just happened, the Ignatius forum yesterday? Why do we have people like Lou Elizondo and Chris Mellon talking about it? Why do we have the government and the UN potentially establishing permanent offices to study UFOs? What's the big change for you? I mean, it's probably an obvious answer. I think a lot of people have said many times in the last few years is December 2017 with the New York Times. I mean, I come across people all the time who have said, oh, yeah, I've always been interested in UFOs, but they never felt comfortable talking about it. Now they will. And they all put it down to, well, everyone else is talking about it since what happened with the Navy videos. And they obviously mean the, the breaking story from the end of the end of 2017. And yeah, well, that's all it comes down to. And I know it's probably not the most exciting answer and we hear it a lot, but that's that's what I've come across so many times. And I'm talking about family members like uncles and that who you're just the last people you think would ever talk about it. They're all talking about it because of that same thing. So, yeah. So it's the snowball rolling down the hill. Yeah, absolutely. Like bang. Yeah. It's like, like I said, it's the curiosity that they've, a lot of people have probably always had. 
but the moment that you know they're just scared of talking about it because you know how do you approach someone and go do you want do you want to talk about ufos basically because yeah. you know they're more worried about being laughed at than being accepted kind of thing and now it's like there's more opportunity so cool awesome and dan finishing off for yourself then why do you think the sudden about face i i think it's important to emphasize that what vinnie said is is probably the the most correct answer to this question you know lou, lou and chris did what they did with a plan um it's going spiffingly it seems <laughs> um and yeah it, it's all thanks to them and their decision to to get something out of the door uh they might not have done an edward snowden and run to russia and then given the videos to the media but in a way some people seem to be arguing that they'd believe it more if they'd have done that which is weird to me uh, because they're conversational they're in the media that you you know i i know we're frustrated that we can't hear past those ndas but it is what it is and we are getting there you know um private industry and space kind of come into it for a lot of people but i don't think they would be having this conversation if 2017 had ha hadn't happened we would be looking at that through a completely different lens whereas instead we're going oh yeah we're going to the moon we're going to mars and also they're a UAP. That bit wouldn't be there if Lou and Chris didn't do what they did. Yeah, awesome. Dan, uh, do you want to just quickly mention the raffle that you've got going on for anyone on KGRA listening or anyone in the coming weeks that are going to hear about this? Yeah, absolutely. So at the moment we're running a raffle. Um, it's for a signed poster uh, that you can actually kind of see one of them behind Andy. It's not the signed one behind Andy, but it's a Lou Elizondo truth poster. Looks very much like the Obama one. I can't um, there we go. <laughs> you got it. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're flexing your guns there as well. Uh, yeah, they're sagging. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're going to be splitting the the donations 50-50. So you can buy into a raffle. The prize of that raffle is the poster, the signed poster, and uh, a matching NFT that I made. The highest donation given, that person gets a personal call from Lou Elizondo to say thank you, which is outstanding. Currently, that bid sits at about £600, and we are up to £2,100, which is about, ooh, I want to say, $3,500, something like that. Dan, can you please clear up quickly that you, all you've said so far is we are splitting the donations 50-50. Oh, sorry. And that, yeah, <laughs> that's, not what, so, that's not what's happening. Yes. So we are splitting the donations 50-50 between two charities, yep. St. Jude Children's <laughs> Research Hospital and the Humane Society International. They will each get 50% of what is donated. Um, the taking so far is incredible and i'm going to be really proud to, of the community when, when i get to give these takings over but it'll be open until christmas eve um at 11 11 p.m uk time the drawing will happen at 3 33 a.m um we'll be adding prizes in the weeks going forward as well so keep an eye on it uh you know the spoils are going to get better basically and you can find that at uh, go.rallyup.com forward slash truth or have a look on my Twitter. It's pinned to my profile. Awesome. And, and that Vinnie, is the signal, which is here. Damn, I did the same thing as well. Yeah, it's really hard to <laughs> engage where you are. If you're listening to this, uh, you're missing out on watching us try and point at things on the screen. <laughs> it's like inverted controls. Uh, and Vinny, uh, what have you got coming up on your channel? How can people find you? And how can they go and check out your stuff? Um, well, this week I've got um, a DJ from Calling All Beings. Um, then I've got a bit of a break this weekend. Next week, I'm speaking to Erling Strand. We're going to be talking about the hairstyle and lights. Very um, cool. If people want to come and follow me, they can do so on YouTube. Um, it's just Disclosure Team. 
Um, on Instagram, you can find me disclosure underscore team. Uh, Twitter is disclosure team underscore, just to confuse everybody with the placing of the underscore there. But if you go to uh, Instagram, which is where I post most, um, I've got a link tree there. So that's probably just the easiest thing. Awesome. And if you're listening to this now, then this week our listener call-in was out, which is getting more and more popular. Really good calls on that one as well. It's like your classic radio call-in show format. So you can check that one out, available on YouTube, and it's on all the streaming audio platforms as well. If you want into the Discord, then sign up to the Patreon, or you can sign up to the Apple Premium, and either one will get you access to the Discord channel, which is really fun, and it's where we've got a lot of the suggestions for this show from as well. But other than that, please check out the show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to Vinny's YouTube channel, check out the raffle that Dan's currently running and we are not splitting those profits 50-50. They are going to two charities and you at least get to give some money to really good causes and be in with the chance of winning some really cool prizes too. So that is all for this week. Thank you very much to everyone on KGRA for hosting us. Hi to everyone in the chat who's stuck around for this one and hi to everyone listening or watching in the future as well. Hope it's been a good one and we'll speak to you soon. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fuck. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. Meditative game of fateful on meta. I can't imagine how it could have been any better. I got to the top of the stairs and there he was. Like, you awake? I was about to abduct you, cuz. the window after the elf and I woke up in my bed and there was something on my head and everything was weird and everything was wet and I called up my boys they thought this was noise they thought it was a dream they thought it was my toys they thought it was my problems and they think I should see therapy and I don't know what it is because it doesn't really scare me
Whether it's finding a signature color or a new statement piece, the right detail can bump your wardrobe up a notch. Kick off this year by letting Indochino take care of your style edit. Customize everything from suits and shirts to chinos and bomber jackets at prices more affordable than you might expect. Indochino offers completely custom-fitted clothing at surprisingly affordable prices. Each piece is made to your exact measurements, and you can customize every detail, including the fabric, lapel, monogram, and statement linings. Create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly. The best part? Indochino suits start from just $449 and shirts from $79 with all customizations included. Get a wardrobe personalized to your taste without spending a fortune. Give yourself a style edit that sets the tone for the rest of the year with Indochino. Get $50 off any purchase of $3.99 or more by using promo code STYLE at Indochino.com. That's Indochino.com, promo code STYLE. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So yeah, I used the savings from switching to Progressive 50 years ago to finally buy my dream car. It's a self-driving flying car, but we just say self-flying now. You know, because it's the future, and cars fly in the future. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.